Let's get on the podcast first. We're reading The Color of Money. And we're reading a chapter. Um, um, Civil Rights Dreams, Economic Nightmare. So let's get back into it. Yet even before the civil rights momentum ground to a halt with the war in Vietnam and King's coalition broke the movement's scope, had been too limited to address the full problem of racial inequality. The assumption of too many Americans was that once discrimination was purged from the law, the effects of discrimination would disappear. American racism was mistakenly seen as an issue of bigoted, white-hooded Klansmen, but that was just ugliest symptom of a broader problem, the visible tumor of a cancer that went far deeper. Blacks living in the urban north were not being told to sit at the back of the bus because most did not have access to public buses in the first place. The financial isolation of the urban black population was a result of years of racism, but there were no ready villains, no Bull Connor or whites only water fountains. The segregated practices in the South are kind of public butchery, noted Saul Alinsky. It's visible. There's bleeding all over the place. Up here in the North, we use a stiletto. It's internal bleeding. It's not visible, but it's just as deadly. The violence of the North segregation had been sown years before and was continually bearing another sort of strange fruit, economic exploitation. Black Northerners applauded the gains of the civil rights movement, but they demanded change for their communities. Intractable poverty and inequality were just as oppressive as the South's brute hostility. But a far more complex problem to address, and as a stunned North would soon find out, the unrest was far closer to home than Selma, Alabama. Yet when the black movement shifted to address the problem of black poverty, it became constrained by its own rhetorical demands. The movement's song most masterfully harmonized by King, Marshall, Kennedy, and Johnson was legal equality. The tune had a familiar ring because it forced, its force came from America's founding documents. All men are created equal and equal protection under the law. Though Dr. King's message was much broader than is commonly portrayed, what captivated and chastened many was how closely his message hewed to these common American ideals. King recited the Constitution's promise and summoned the nation to bring its deeds in line with its democratic aspirations. The home that all too many Americans left was solidly structured, idealistically, its pillars were soundly grounded in the insights of our Judeo-Christian heritage. All men are created equal. What a marvelous foundation for any home King was calling Americans home. And home was the classical or the classic liberal notion of equality. According to the liberal principles, individuals must be free to pursue their own aims using their own talents. No group trait like race or ancestry should be used to exclude someone from free participation in the markets and society. A country built on liberalism 
could not tolerate discrimination because it punished a person based on a group attribute instead of the content of their character. The civil rights movement was founded on aligning America's liberal democratic ideal with its hypocritical racial hierarchy. On reconciling the American dilemma, the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 aimed to fix the bug in the system by erasing the dissonance between the word and deed. They still haven't fixed anything. We're still struggling and still suffering through the same old nonsense. Um, But what, North and South, by the way, but what was to be done about the centuries that America had been explicitly violating its own foundational myths? As soon as the actual passed, it was apparent that the victory had been a hollow one. Blacks were still unemployed at twice the rate as whites. They occupied low-wage jobs, had little wealth, and these momentous laws provided no conceivable path out of poverty. Abolishing racist laws was not the same thing as achieving equality. Ending segregation was not the same thing as integration. Ending job discrimination was not the same thing as having jobs. Ending credit discrimination was not the same thing as providing credit. A legal right to equality was meaningless to the destitute and marginalized unless it could open a path to actual equality. The movement shifted toward achieving the fact of equality. As Bayard Rustin wrote in 1965, rather than merely removing the barriers to full opportunity, it is, if it was true, according to Rustin, that freedom must be conceived in economic categories. The civil rights movement turned its focus to achieving justice as an economic matter, but economic demands faced a major roadblock, equality. We still in a pit. We're in a free fall. And some black people have, you have a small number of black people who have a lot of money. Um, millionaires, multimillionaires. We might have a couple of billionaires. Some of those people that they call themselves billionaires, they're not really billionaires. They don't have a billion dollars in cash. Oh, what was that? A piece of cheese with my salad. Um, yeah, so they don't really have what they claim to have. Uh, but we do have some, a small number of black people with something, but we've always had that. And the rest, um, you have a group that have a little something, but not millionaires, but they believe it's more than it actually is. Then you got the rest of us that are just in free fall, in a pit. No stability. No plan for stability. No matter what we do, we're not going to be able to get it unless we fight and push for some social, structural change. It's going to be a UBI. It's going to be reparations. It's going to be something like that. And UBI will give, UBI won't help just only blacks, but it'll stabilize us. A $1,400 a month um, will stabilize most of the guys I know that was in the shelter. 
You can't rent an apartment, but you may be able to rent a room for that. Um, and do all the other things. You may. So, um, that would cut down I'm in the urban areas. Well, actually, everywhere is expensive. I was even in South Carolina, and it was, it was New York prices as far as rent. So, that would be what you'd be dealing with. Uh, what was that? Okay. The sweet-sounding tune of equality soon became a noose around the movement as leaders began to seek the fact of equality, and not just its scent. In the beginning of the civil rights era, uh, equal rights had meant giving blacks the right they had the rights they had always been entitled to, the same rights whites enjoyed. The only people objected, the only people who objected to this were those who believed blacks to be unworthy of these rights. The incorrigible Southern racists, who were shrink, a shrinking minority, but intractable economic problems required stronger weapons than just equality before the law. It meant that whites had to allow blacks to move into their neighborhoods and that centuries of exclusion needed redress. It meant providing public funds for specific privileges to blacks to even the playing field. In 1963, Dr. King said, just as we granted a GI Bill of Rights to war veterans, we should launch a broad-based and gigantic Bill of Rights for the disadvantaged. For it is obvious, stated King, that if a man is entering the starting line in a race 300 years after another man, the first would have to perform some impossible feat in order to catch up with his fellow runner. Um, Whitney Young, executive director of the Urban League, stated, Many of these white people are now middle class. Their rise made possible by a host of federal programs. The GI Bill, home loan insurance, road building, and economic and employment policies. Maybe it was time to provide the same boost to blacks. We ain't get it yet. We in a whole nother century. We're almost this century is a quarter. Is, it, is, is that how you say a quarter of the way over? Yeah, 2024. And we ain't get it yet in the 21st century. And all of this happened almost a century ago. All these laws passed, all these rights. It's ridiculous. The mood suddenly turned. By the end of the decade, whites were lambasting the government by depriving whites of their rights to equality. Once the message of equality and non-discrimination was heeded, it was clung to. It was clung to. The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race, said Chief Justice John Roberts in 2007, is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. The sentiment was already beginning to form at the tail end of the civil rights movement and would only grow over time. The late-term egalitarianism could not erase overnight the wealth gap caused by centuries of racism. Yet many proclaimed that it already had. I know, I think they got rid of affirmative action, but black people didn't care because we never, we never got anything from affirmative action. <laughs> All these whites that thought black people were getting things because affirmative action... It was still a handful. 95% of black people wasn't getting nothing from affirmative action. They say white women um, is the ones who 
got the most out of affirmative action. The other edge of the sword of equality was used to cut down any claims for special privileges. If blacks demanded that they not be judged based on their race, using the same logic, whites demanded that blacks not be given any special favors based on their race. A U.S. senator wished to remain anonymous explained that his white voters were angry. I'm getting mail from white people saying, wait a minute, we've got some rights too. Whites felt threatened, believing that blacks' gains were coming at the expense of whites. But um, by 1966, a poll found that 85% of whites believed that the pace of civil rights progress was too fast. The more the Johnson administration pushed for programs that would benefit blacks, the more whites began to demand equality. The irony, of course, was that Congress needed to enforce colorblind civil rights legislation because the nation had never actually been colorblind. We'll stop right there. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, oh, that's what I wanted to say about this poll that they did. I remember there was a poll. This was a few years ago. Was it a few years ago or was it? No, it might have been 2020. It's about four years ago. And I remember hearing about a poll that was done. So they asked all these people who, who was in favor of universal health care. And there was a group of people in there on a survey, on a, um, and 70 something percent of the people said yes. Then the person, whoever was moderating or giving the test or whatever, said, hey, you know, 70% of you said you would have liked universal health care. And then they started explaining that universal health care will have so much more effects. Um, people knowing that they have health care would take a lot of the stresses away. And they said also having universal health care would close the wealth gap, would help African-Americans to have better health benefits. So it would close some of the racial, it would heal some of the racial divides, at least when it came to health. Then they asked the people again, how many of you are still for universal health care? And the numbers went from 70-something percent to 50% because they told them that blacks would get it. Now, I'm guessing even out of that 50-something percent, um, a large portion realized that if they had answered no now, they would look racist. So they kept their original answer. But even knowing what was happening, and I'm sure everybody knew what was happening, still 20% of the people dropped off. And that's to say, white people don't want to see black people healthy in general. They, I don't know what it is. They don't want to see us thriving unless we're entertaining them in some way. We're playing basketball. We're playing football. We're musicians. We're... Painters less, um, actors, but even actors, not as much as the others, but athletes love it. Musicians, 
somewhat because you have a lot of R&B, you have a lot of R&B musicians that um, white people don't go see, but they don't mind them. They don't mind them being rich. You have to be entertaining them in some way. And you got to remember when you look at these sporting events, most black people can't afford to go to these things. Right. So, and football is the worst. I mean, it's the most profitable one and the worst. Black bodies being ground down and twisted for the entertainment of mostly, I mean, the whole society likes it, but mostly it's these white guys. And if you look at where the white owners sit up in the owner's boxes, it reminds me of how the slave masters would stand on the balconies of these places and let black men in the courtyard fight till till death. Till one person was dead. Um, it's the same thing. And just because they're paying athletes 200 million, 300 million to run around, it doesn't mean that um, in actuality, it's just them entertaining wealthy masters. That's what it is. Um, it's a sad state. The one thing that I always say that we have is we have the Great Reset of 2020 that the masses kind of bucked. But now I think they see that we really just ultimately need. I think the typical person is now ready. So when they do 2020 again, sort of a resetting of the Great Reset, although a lot of the Great Reset is still going, it's just happening Um bits at a time instead of that one big jolt is what 2020 would have gave us and it did give us um, but a lot of us rejected it we got scared we didn't understand what it was we didn't want to educate our own children we didn't want to so we just we um, we flinched we not even flinched we did worse than flinch we begged the oligarchs to put things back like they were but you'll never be able to put things back like they were because we have reset already. So now we're in this weird middle ground where they have to um, cut jobs 20, 30,000 at a time instead of doing the shutdown. Only essential workers go back and you give everybody else a stimulus. Now, you know, you got to shut it down 20,000. Then you'll give them some kind of unemployment and the bad part now is now you're not going to get the bonus unemployment you're not going to get this the ubi yet but i think probably by the end of this year you'll see a lot of if not federal you'll see a lot of states starting to do ubi and it may not start out at 1400 it may be like the minimum wage where it goes from maybe it went from seven in New York State, it went from seven, and then it went up to fifteen. But it, over time, so they might say people in New York City saw it with a seven hundred UBI, a seven hundred dollar a month, or a thousand dollar a month, because recently they gave these immigrants a thousand dollar cards, cash cards. So let's say you give you a thousand dollars a month in New York, and then next year it goes up to eleven hundred. Then the year after that, it goes up to until it gets to fourteen hundred a month. They might do something like that. 
Um, look for it. It'll be coming um, because they need to stabilize things. Uh, unless, the, unless the ruling class is just going to let everything collapse and then case when we're, we'll see what happens with that. Because that means a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos. And then eventually National Guard coming in to places and clearing it out. Uh, it could go either way. It looks to me like in this state, in New York state, they're trying to do, give them some kind of money in their pocket. So I hope that for my people in North Carolina, my people in South Carolina and my friends in Mississippi, I hope they all get some kind of decent package to stabilize them. That would be nice. I went on way longer than I wanted to. Um, until next time. Please take care of yourselves and be safe.